On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks fall just short at home against the Milwaukee Bucks on this Wednesday evening. We'll get into all of what transpired in this one, but the Hawks were basically unable to dig out of a massive hole in the first half. They did come back, took the lead for about 22 seconds in the fourth quarter, and then it was not quite enough to get over the hump. We'll get into why that happened, what happens next, and the newest addition of the Hawks roster in Derek Favors. All of that and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1388 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And I thank you, as always, for listening to the Locked On Hawks podcast and making us your first listen each and every day. Check out the Locked On Hawks podcast across platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey, Google Play. And we are also on YouTube over on the video side. And today's show, we'll get into mostly what transpired between the Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. A close-fought loss for Atlanta at home, 114-105. to The Hawks were in the game. If you didn't see this one, it was certainly a roller coaster ride. The Hawks were down by 20 in the first quarter. They're down by 24 with 20 minutes to go, and they came all the way back to very briefly lead. And it was one of those circumstances where, yes, the Hawks – did not play well down, this, down, the, down the actual stretch of this game. But it was an instance where I certainly would put more of the onus on the first quarter because it is very hard to keep up the level of, of intensity and execution that it requires to come back from down by 24 points in the second half of the game. You have to be perfect from that point forward. And the Hawks were pretty darn good until about the last four or five minutes, and that was the end of that. But we're going to all of what transpired in this one, my evaluations, my analysis, what actually happened in this one back and forth, the numbers, and then we'll end the podcast with some talk about the newest addition of the Hawks in Derek Favors. But uh, we'll get into the game now. This is the fourth and final game between the Hawks and the Bucks this year. They also played twice in Abu Dhabi. So the Hawks have basically played the Bucks six times in about a three-month period, which is a pretty uh, pretty crazy for a non-divisional opponent, but that all happened. Um, the Hawks are now actually 2-2 two and two against the Bucks this year, so not too bad against a very, very good team. Um, also, they won without Trey Young previously, which comes into play here because the Hawks were playing without Trey Young in this game as well. I will say the Bucs have not been great this year. They did start the uh, season off very well at 9-0, and and they're still awesome defensively, but without Chris Middleton on offense, they are pretty average, maybe even below average on offense at this point in time, which definitely happened again in this game. As for the injury report for the Hawks, again, Trey Young missed this game with non-COVID illness. He was listed as questionable as of 1 o'clock on Wednesday after not being on the injury report at all on Tuesday, and then he was ruled out about a half hour later. Damon Millen said he just woke up not feeling well, which I understand. You know, It's non-COVID related by all accounts, but the Hawks needed him in this game. They didn't have him, and you know, one of those things where like Trey hates missing games. It's a national TV game on ESPN. Obviously, he's, bearing, he's feeling pretty ill to not be in the building and not be playing in this one, but um, you know, now without Trey and Capella this season, if you include tonight's game, the Hawks are two and three without Trey. They are four and ten without Capella, and they are zero and three without both of them. So that kind of paints the picture of the most important offensive player in Trey, most important defensive player in Capella, and being without both of those guys is uh, is pretty tough. I will say on the Capella front, Landry Fields did his first public interview since the changeover with Travis Schlenk stepping down, and he gave it to ninety two nine the game, the official radio partner of the Hawks, and nothing huge there. But he did say that they're ramping Clint Capella back up, and quote, at this point, it's more of a day to day thing. End quote. So that's not a huge thing in terms of uh, specificity, but I, I will say that uh, the Hawks have not given really any updates at all about Capella. So that's at least a small thing to point out uh, on that front. Anyway, as for the game itself, 
our, our friends at Bet Online made the Hawks with with Trey in the lineup early in the day. The Hawks were about a two point underdog, and by tip off, they were a four and a half point underdog at home. Which you know, it's a pretty big move, but Trey Young is very important. So uh, the big thing, honestly, I talked about the first quarter already, but uh, if you want to just say the Hawks lost this game in the first two minutes, I might agree with you. To be honest, it was thirteen nothing Milwaukee out of the gate. The first 11 points were in the first 100 seconds for Milwaukee. The Hawks went 0 for 3 on possessions to start the game, turnover, and then two missed jump shots. The Bucs missed their, sorry, made their first four shots, including three straight threes, forced a timeout, then the Bucs scored again. And the Hawks didn't score for like three minutes to start the game. So again, down 13-0 in a game you lose by nine, that's indicative in some, in some respects. The offense was not good early on, but the defense took a long time to settle in as well. They gave up 18 points on the first 10 possessions defensively, which is not going to get it done most of the time. They finally got some stops and got back within seven and showed some life, but there was not a whole lot of flow offensively, some, some settling, hesitations, not really attacking all the way to the rim. And the Bucs are fantastic in protecting the paint. That has to be said. Brooke Lopez and Giannis form arguably the best back line in the entire league, but you can't just give in to them and take a bunch of mid-range shots, which happened for the Hawks in this game. Rotationally, not a ton of surprises. They started Aaron Holiday, which did not surprise me at all. Uh, I know Hawks fans, uh, not everyone, but Hawks fans were very unhappy with that decision. As I've said for a long time, and I'll say again now for new listeners, I don't really care who starts for the most part. There are certain instances where I don't love certain things, but uh, it's more important as to who plays more minutes and who closes games. Aaron Holiday started in this game, which is I know is a little bit weird with Bogdanovich and, and AJ Griffin on the team, but uh, Aaron Holiday played 14 minutes in this contest. He played the fewest minutes of anyone that played for the Hawks, and he started. So, like, who, who starts doesn't really matter. Bogey played 40 minutes off the bench. So, obviously, he was in more of a starter role than Aaron Holiday was, and uh, I do understand the consternation, but not a big deal in my mind. Anyway, uh, Jalen Johnson came in from there for Collins. Frank Kaminsky, who had his best game as a Hawk, in my opinion, tonight. And then AJ Griffin came in as well, and that was the nine-man rotation for this game. No deeper than that. No, uh, no, no Justin Holiday, no Derek Favors, as we'll get into later on, or anybody else that was available for Atlanta in this contest. Um, the other big run in the first quarter was a 12-2 push by Milwaukee mid-quarter, but the Hawks down by 17 points, and really the shot quality difference was hugely stark. We'll get into this in a second as well, but Milwaukee was very hot from three, and that happens sometimes. But the Hawks' shot quality was not good. In fact, they took 13 of their first 18 shots were, with, were between four feet and like 22 feet, that area that's kind of the low percentage area on the court. And Milwaukee was forcing them to shoot from that, from that range a lot. The Hawks were down by 22 points at one point in the first quarter, down 20 at the end of the first, gave up 39 points in that quarter. Uh, defensively, it was really ugly. The Bucks, who again are not great offensively this year, scored a point and a half per possession. That is ridiculous. They got any shot they wanted to. In the first quarter, only had one turnover. They were hot again with nine threes. Yes, nine threes in the first quarter, but they were largely really good looks. So it's kind of like you can't expect them to miss too many of those. And then the offense was horrible too. A 73 offensive rating. They attempted 22 shots in the first quarter, and 16 of them came from that range that we talked about a second ago between four feet and three point line. All of that process was bad. All of the execution was bad. And again, I think the Hawks lost this game in the first 12 minutes more so than they did down the stretch of the contest because it all adds up. In the end. Anyway, uh, to the second quarter, they got some better looks. They played better, generally speaking. And honestly, if the game started at the end of the first quarter, the Hawks would have won it. And they they were not bad at any point, really, in the second half or with the last three quarters. Um, defensively, they had a questionable lineup out there. It actually got some better looks early on with Murray, Griffin, Bogdanovich, plus Kaminsky playing at the five. 
better spacing there. Um, the Stars came back in a little bit earlier than usual because they had two days off and they were down by 18, kind of pressing. They did hold the Bucks down to only five points in the first four minutes of the second quarter. They got down to 13 at one point. AJ Griffin has the best stretch of the game. He scored five straight points for Atlanta, and he and Kaminsky hit the first two threes of the night for Atlanta after they did not make one in the first quarter. The Hawks were certainly better on both ends of the floor. Um, but they were still running into that brick wall that is Brook Lopez and Giannis around the rim. There was another 12 to two run though by the Bucks late in the first half to break it open, and uh, but Donovan hit a buzzer beater to cut it to 21. So they were done by 24 with about you know 30 seconds to go in the first half. And again, the performance, the numbers were really ugly, especially for the full half. Most of that was the first quarter. The second quarter they were they were totally fine. They allowed 12 threes. That's a really bad number, and uh, they held Giannis in check. That's kind of crazy. We'll come back to it, but Giannis was in check the entire game. For Atlanta, and they still couldn't get stops for a large swaths of this one. Offensively, they were better in the second quarter for sure. They had five threes and had eight assists in that quarter. But um, you know, other than the turnover avoidance that the Hawks are so good at, that was kind of it. Murray was struggling; he was inefficient all the way through this game. Bogdanovich uh, got going a little bit later, but it was not fantastic for most of the first half. They had that, that, that nice stretch from Griffin, but that was kind of all there was to speak of in the first half. And again, they were down um, by 21 points, and that and they actually had to have a buzzer beater to get to that to that close. But obviously, the second half was much more encouraging in some respects. We'll get into that in a second, as well as my takeaways from the game itself. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, you are needing to try a Built Bar today. We just finished the holidays, of course, recently. I know one of my goals this year is to eat a little bit healthier. And if you're anything like me, you don't want to give up the taste. And that's really the, the fun part about eating a lot of ways. And you don't want to give that up to actually get healthier. But Built Bar is a perfect option if that is your problem, like it is for me with Built. Healthy is actually tasty. And they're so delicious that you won't believe that they're actually good for you as well. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, real chocolate. And they come in a ton of awesome flavors, like you do my brownie and coconut almond. And Built Bars also taste like candy bars with a only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar to go along with four, sorry, 17 grams of protein. And you also don't have to wait around and get a box today. For a long time, I've been telling you to get your Built Bars at Built.com, and you can still do that. In fact, it's an awesome way to get Built Bars. But you can also get those at, at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. You can walk into a pharmacy section of a local Walmart right now and grab a box of Built Bars, including a four-bar box of my personal favorite, Cookies and Cream. Or if you're closer to a Sam's, run in and get a 13-bar box. That's a lot of Built Bars in one place. Make sure to check it out right now. Built Bar across the board, Built.com, Sam's, Walmart, and start your new year right with Built Bar. All right, so the first salvo from Atlanta to kind of get back into this game happened pretty early in the third quarter. After a very lengthy clear path review, it took like forever in the first minute of the third quarter. The Hawks made a big dent with a 15-2 run. Akangwu was really good in that stretch, playing with physicality, attacking the rim. He had a very funny moving screen that was uncalled to clear the way for a basket. Um, Bogey got going a little bit as well. He had eight points in a row. Hunter had, I think, two jump shots that went went down. He, I think he had nine points in a short period of time. And the Hawks were within 11 when that run ended. So they were back in the game at that point. And in general, the Hawks were much more assertive on both ends of the floor, particularly on offense. I thought they were more effective and more attacking in that stretch. Also, Jalen Johnson had a good period of time where he, he did have a missed layup in there, but he had, he had a three. He had a huge dunk in transition over Javon Carter. And that dunk got the Hawks back within nine for the first time since it was 20-11 to 11 in the first quarter. All told, the Hawks ended the third quarter on a 30-13 to 13 run to go from down by 24 to down by 7. And as, as, as I said a second ago, the Hawks were down by 24 points with 20 minutes to go and then chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. Milwaukee was really bad offensively in the third quarter. They shot 2 of 14 from 3 and 36% from the floor in that third quarter, whereas the Hawks were very efficient from the field, which is kind of what you have to do when you're down by 24 points and making up a, a big uh, deficit. 
Uh, in the fourth, it was the bench lineup actually plus Aaron Holiday, so a true bench lineup in some ways. And they got the, they got the lead down to, all the way down to one within the first three and a half minutes. Kaminsky had a great stretch. He had a couple of threes. He was very effective, very um, skilled around the rim, of course. And also the shooting is very helpful for him offensively. And look, I've always said he's a very effective offensive player most of the time. It's the other end of the fourth of the question. But they did a good job defensively with that group. They were not good on, on paper defensively, playing that playing that group with Griffin and Bogey and Kaminsky. But they were doing a good job being active and pesky. They forced three turnovers. Frank was uh, using his hands effectively. It was a good stretch by everybody there. Um, they did have a dry spell offensively and didn't score for like three minutes at the uh, at, at the end of that run, but it didn't bite them too much. And when the starters came back in the game, they were only down by what, three points, I believe, with six minutes to go. They put Kaminsky back in a couple of different times. That's kind of a risk, but he was uh, pretty decent again the entire run. And after all that, Collins ties the game after a turnover and a run out in transition with four minutes to go. So the Hawks turned that deficit from 24 into zero in about 15, 16 minutes of game time. So it's a pretty impressive run there. Uh, after that, obviously, it was all Milwaukee. But Murray had a bad turnover. They, he tried to throw like a perfect hit ahead pass to Collins. And it was, uh, it was a turnover that would have been for the lead, actually. They got to stop from there. And then after a timeout, the Hawks led for the one and only time in the entire game. Yes, the entire game. They led for 22 seconds. They'll get a jump shot. And then the Bucks hit a three on the next possession. And that was the start of a 10-0 run by Milwaukee. Bogey, after he made one, which is important to remember, um, he forced one and missed it. They fouled Drew Holiday. They got a pretty good look, actually, by DeAndre Hunter for three. That wasn't a bad possession at all. He just missed it. And then Drew got to the mid-range and scored. Bogey forced it again, one-on-one against Javon Carter. That was not a good shot at all. In fact, I thought Bogey, in that stretch, took two really bad shots and three possessions. And the Hawks, generally speaking, kind of just stopped attacking the paint in crunch time, which is unfortunate because that's kind of how they got back, got back in the game. They just kind of stopped at that point. And then Carter hits a three to force a timeout. And within seconds, it felt like, the Hawks went from up one to down eight. They did catch a break, actually, after that, after a timeout, because Milwaukee fouled Hunter on a three, but he only made two. And then the Hawks were trying to foul Giannis, actually, I think smartly, because Giannis was not really in a mode to be scoring or shooting. But they couldn't actually execute that. Drew took the entire shot clock and then made a very tough contested jump shot over Hunter. And that was it, basically, because they were up by eight. And it's kind of like, you know, Murray shot an air ball, and that was that was really it. But it was really over when Drew had that shot in my mind. So after all that, the Hawks did come back all the way, took a lead briefly, and then the 10-0 run kind of slammed the door shot in their face despite some uh, some positive performances down the stretch. Um, so broadly, broadly speaking, the offense was not good enough in this game. Now, you should adjust this for A, no Trey, and B, the Bucks. The Bucks are awesome defensively, and Trey, for all of his – um, individual struggles by his standards this season is still a very good offensive player, obviously, and being without him is important. The Hawks, though, were below average basically across the board. They did start shooting threes actually after the first quarter, and uh, I would say not a coincidence that things got better for the Hawks after that, but they still took almost as many shots from that long two range as they did from three and the rim combined, which is not a good shot profile. Um, not enough free throw creation. They basically got nothing on, nothing on the glass in this game offensively. They took care of the ball as they almost always do, but that was kind of it on offense. And then defensively, it was a 115 defensive rating against a pretty bad Bucks offense without Chris Middleton. That's not good, but after the first quarter, it actually was like legitimately good defensively. They held Giannis to seven points in 35 minutes. I know Kongu has been credited with a lot of that, and he should be. He's been he's always done great against against Giannis. But Collins, uh, Jalen Johnson, even Kaminsky was frisky defensively by his standards in this game. So a good job by everybody there involved. The Bucs also, after opening up 9-14 from three, and I will say, 
there's always a little bit of noise with nine of 14 from three. Those were always really good looks in that stretch. The rest of the game, they were nine of 34 from three. So sub 25% from three point range. Uh, or sorry, it's around there anyway, 27% from three. Uh, that's bad. And then they only gave up 11 free throw attempts this game, did the Hawks. So they defended without fouling, which is hard to do against Milwaukee, in particular Giannis. They did lose the glass in this game, but not in a terrible way. If you look at the raw rebounding totals, yes, the Bucks had a lot more rebounds than the Hawks did. But the Hawks missed a lot more shots than the Bucks did. And I think if you look at the percentages, yes, the Hawks did nothing on the offensive glass in this game. Defensively on the glass, the Hawks were honestly about average, which is all you can really ask for without Capella against this particular Bucks team. Um, you know, overall, I thought the Hawks legitimately played like a B-plus game after the first quarter, but you can't think of it that way. The Hawks, and I know there's this like narrative out there, the Hawks just have these terrible starts. They have had some terrible starts this year, no question about that, but if you look at the net rating in my quarter, it's not like slanted too badly. They've had too many of these stretches where they're bad, and tonight was the first quarter. And, you know, when you're playing, a good team, you're playing against a good team like Milwaukee, no matter what their faults are, you cannot afford to spot them 20 points. And it was 24 points, and it was 11 points in the first, you know, a minute and a half. It was just they just got they got down too much and had to expend too much energy to come back, and they were not able to go ahead and do that. But you know, I will say, taking a step back and just say, okay, before the game, if this happened six hours ago, you knew Trey and Clinton were going to we're not going to be there, and the Hawks lose by nine to the Bucks. That would not have felt like a terrible result. Is it a good result? No. But the Hawks were underdogs, even though they were at home in this game. You're without two of your top three or four players. And like in a, in a vacuum, it's totally fine. And again, if you look at if you watch the second half of this game, the Hawks were pretty good from large swaths of a large swaths of time. But the first quarter doomed them. And you got to play four quarters. I'm sure Nate said the same thing and we'll say the same thing. But um, that's kind of all I have on that in terms of the game flow part. And the Hawks are now again on pace for 38 wins this season. No one is throwing that number. I can promise you that. We are firmly at the halfway point, and uh, that is uh, the story of this one. Is there are 19 and 22. So we'll get into all of the individual breakdowns in a second of how guys performed in this game, and then we'll end with Derek Favors on the show. But uh, first, stay tuned, and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know the success in 2023 all depends on team members that you surround yourself with. And that's why you check out LinkedIn Jobs right now. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people that actually have the skills, the values, and experiences that you're looking for to help you achieve your goals. I've used LinkedIn Jobs a few times already in the past and have really proven to be an awesome resource for me. It makes the hiring process easy and painless. And they help you attract the most qualified candidates to your open job with targeting tools. And they make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all in one platform. They go beyond the resume data by using insights from your job post, your company, and their millions of member profiles. Put your post in front of people for free, and they do it quickly in front of the most qualified possible candidates. We all have new goals in the new year, and really having more people around you is a huge thing in making that happen. So check out LinkedIn Jobs, and that would be a really wise decision for you. And by the way, small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering high-quality hires, according to leading competitors. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the most qualified candidates you want to talk to, and they help you do it faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LawsonMBA. One more time, that is LinkedIn.com slash LawsonMBA. Terms and conditions apply. All right, and we'll dive in now to the player portion of the podcast. Uh, really, the bench was very good. And you know, as I've been saying all season long, the Hawks bench has kind of killed them at times. I think Atlanta's roster construction leaves a lot to be desired with regard to depth. And that's kind of why they haven't been able to withstand even one or two injuries at a time this season. But in this game, the bench was good. So we'll start with Frank Kaminsky, who I've you know picked on a little bit this year. I think he's not been good really at all for Atlanta, but he was legitimately good in this game. Plus 13. 
a game best mark there for the Hawks. 13 points in 14 minutes. He had three threes, and obviously that's a lot of the value, but he can do that. He's a good passer. He had two assists. He had an active hand steal at one point. Did have a turnover, but I thought Frank gave them really good minutes. And uh, this is one of those games where, like, without Capella, Kaminsky is by far their biggest player. Now, obviously, Okonwu was a better defender. He's more, you know, he's more gifted than that than uh, than uh, Kaminsky is defensively, and even feel wise, he's much better as well. But Kaminsky does have seven foot size that can be useful, and uh, you know, I think him on offense in this game helped them open up th- open some things up. So I don't want to go overboard. He didn't like save the day here, but he did play well. And uh, he was a big part of why the Hawks were able to come back in this spot. Uh, AJ Griffin, kind of a quiet game outside of that one stretch in the second quarter. They have seven points on six shots. That's totally fine. Two rebounds and an assist. Um, I think AJ might have been able to play a little bit more because Bogey was probably tired by the end, but Bogey kind of had it going in the second half at times. I think, that, you know, Hawks fans, I understand, always want to see more Griffin. I don't blame you. He's a, he's a very exciting young player. Uh, I think defensively, he was a lot to be desired right now, as is Bogey, obviously. But um, I thought AJ was fine. He didn't do anything crazy. He had the one nice uh, floater and hit a three in the first in the first half, but that was kind of it. Uh, Joan Johnson had a good game, 12 points, three rebounds in 15 minutes. Uh, he was uh, attacking the rim at, in that one stretch where the Hawks made their big run. And uh, other than that, he was he was just fine. He did a decent job on Giannis. He was at least effective there um, using his length, his size, his physicality, athleticism for the, for the most part. I thought he uh, played well. And then Bogdanovich had kind of a weird game, like kind of a slow start, ends up with 22 points, had, uh, I thought, a rough crunch time. But in the middle of those two things was quite good. Uh, obviously, you get 22 points on 18 shots, five assists, had two steals. Um, two turnovers is fine, plus seven. So defensively, it's an every night thing for him being a problem right now. But offensively, he was um, probably their best shot creator in this game, uh, although that's kind of a low bar to clear, to clear as we'll get into in a second. Um, DeJounte Murray had a rough one. So clearly without Trey Young, you're looking to Murray to step up as the primary. It's a role that he's familiar with, dating back to his San Antonio days. And he was just bad in this game. There's no way around it. Um, and a lot of Hot take. I think this might be might be the night when Hawks fans are starting to turn a little bit more on Murray sometimes, which is probably not particularly fair. But I, I've said before that I don't think Murray has been up to what you kind of thought he might be. It doesn't, doesn't mean he's been bad. The numbers look fine, but you know, impact wise, I don't think it's been jumping off the screen too much. In this game, nine points on sixteen shots, and I can stop there. Like it's really hard to be efficient and helpful offensively when you shoot like that. And he was four sixteen, four sixteen from the floor, one of five from three, which means he was three eleven on twos. A lot of mid-rangers, zero free throw attempts, just shot profile issues from DeJounte. He forces it. I think he was probably in too much of a forcing mode. Five assists, which was a tie for the team high, but three turnovers as well. Not a crazy good ratio there either. Defensively, not great necessarily either. Did have two steals as he is wont to do, but I thought he was uh, certainly not very good in this game. And that definitely let them down because, you know, if that's all you knew again coming into the night was that Trey was out and DeJounte was going to do this, uh, the Hawks would have probably been a pretty, a pretty big underdog as they uh, as they were in this spot. Uh, Aaron Holiday. Quiet, 14 minutes, had four points, three assists. Thought he played totally fine. Him him playing a small role was okay with me. Um, but, you know, just kind of check that box of being perimeter defense oriented. He was their most pesky perimeter defender in this game, I thought. So that's kind of the best thing to point out there. Uh, Akongwu had a weird game. He was actually a game worst, tw- minus 22, because he was off the floor when Frank was on the floor. Did have two blocks and nine rebounds, five assists, actually, tying for the team lead. Um, seven points. Uh, offensively, he was really passive early on. When the Hawks got going in the third, he was better and more physical, which I, th- I think is not a huge coincidence. Defensively, I thought he did a pretty good job after the first few minutes of this game. And even then, early on, it really wasn't him that was the problem, nor was it Collins. It was more of the perimeter guys. But uh, kind of a weird one for a Kongwu. He wasn't great. 
but he did a good job on Giannis and uh, did his job there and rebounded the ball and was effective enough. Uh, Collins, kind of a quiet 15 and seven. He was the second, sorry, third leading scorer, second leading rebounder in this game. He had a block, uh, seven 11 from the floor. He was fine defensively, fine. Did a good job on, on Giannis when he, when he had to, did a good job on Brooke when he had to. Uh, just nothing jumps off the screen too much, but it was like a B game from Collins, C plus kind of thing, um, slightly above average. And then Hunter went in there, 16 points for Hunter on. 18 shots when you include when you include free throws. Now I will say Hunter got to the line eight times, which is by far the most on the team. That's a positive sign. He also had seven defensive rebounds. That's a big sign for Hunter, who's not a great rebounder in his own right. Two assists, three turnovers, not the best. Paul ball handling wise, always some problems. He was forcing it a little bit offensively at times. I mean, I think probably with the instruction of the team without Trey, they kind of lean on him more than I probably would, generally speaking, in those shot creation moments. But I thought Hunter was fine. And then defensively, yeah, not great either. But um, he was okay. I thought that, you know, generally speaking, like the Hawks didn't play awesome, but the guys who had like standout nights compared to their normal baselines were Kaminsky and Jalen Johnson. If you're looking at that kind of uh, as the baseline of, of what to talk about this game, I think Frank had the biggest gap between his normal baseline, his performance. Jalen was after that. And then maybe you get into like bogey kind of did bogey things for the most part. Collins was fine and that kind of stuff. But, uh, and then on the other side of the spectrum, I thought Murray was probably the worst compared to his baseline, which is uh, not good timing for Murray in a spot where they kind of had to have him have a big game without Trey. All right. That'll do it for the game. There's one more piece of business here. And that is that Derek favors is on this roster, which is a little bit weird to talk about. I've been covering Derek favors for a very, very long time. Dating back to high school It was reported by Woj of ESPN, of course, on ES on, on Tuesday evening that he was going to be signing a 10 day contract with the Hawks. It was not signed officially until Wednesday. I kind of figured this out last night and said it on Twitter, but if the Hawks waited until Wednesday to sign favors, he actually gets to play six games versus five. So it's kind of a no brainer to wait for Atlanta. Um, January 5th was the first day to sign 10 day contracts. And I speculated both before and on that date that the Hawks probably should sign another big with Capella out of the lineup and just kind of use that rotating door to both watch your cost because the Hawks do care about that, even if I don't care if they do about that, um, and also just get some fresh talent in there. Favors has been out of the league this year. So I will say this. We don't we don't know anything about what Favors is going to look like at this point. I don't think anybody does. Even, even McMillan today was kind of just like he was around. He was close by. He's a vet. But there wasn't a whole lot of like – I'm not sure how much I've seen him play in the last little while. Uh, he finished last season with Oklahoma City but actually didn't play at the end of the season for like 17 games with a reported back issue. Oklahoma City was tanking, so we'll see on that, but he's not the same guy he used to be. He did opt into a $10 million player option for this year, but he was then traded and waived by the by the Rockets, so it's a minimum 10-day contract. Uh, I will say he's only 31 years old, which is crazy. He's been in the league since 2010, so he came in very young, and he's not that old. He's a very young guy in terms of how long he's been in the league. But he spent a year at Tech, of course. He's a local product, played at South Atlanta High School. So lots of connections there. I would imagine that had a lot to do with him signing with Atlanta, to be honest with you. Um, he was a very good starting big man in Utah at one point and has been a backup the last couple of years. He's not the same guy, but certainly knows how to play, knows how to be around the team, good locker room guy by all accounts, um, good physicality. He can rebound if he's out there. He didn't play in this game. That wasn't a huge surprise to me. But generally speaking, if you sign a guy to a 10-day contract that's as, as high profile as Derek Favors, I think he'll probably see the floor at some point. I don't know when it's going to be, but we'll see. And obviously, Kaminsky was good in this game. So no downside. It's a 10-day contract. There's no risk with that. Um, I know I saw people like kind of saying that this is like a situation where this is they're only doing this because Capella is having a, this terrible injury. And I don't know if that's true. I mean, maybe Capella's injury is worse than we think and worse than they're saying. That's possible for sure. But I think this is a situation where the Hawks knew for a while that they – 
probably could or should use this spot on a 10-day contract guy on the front court. They're doing it now. Favors is a big enough name where like maybe he was the only guy they wanted. Um, we'll see. But uh, yeah, lots of questions to be answered. Landry Fields did say on that radio interview I talked about earlier, they've been looking at Favors for a while. I believe that, to be honest, because uh, he does kind of fit in a way that a lot of guys maybe wouldn't as a kind of low-maintenance backup big who's been around the block and uh, adds that kind of veteran presence to the team. So huge impact, no, but uh, certainly – I would say almost assuredly the biggest name the Hawks could have signed with a 10 day contract. Maybe if they were to bring Dwight Howard back, that would be a bigger name, but he's not going back on a 10 day contract. So, anyway, Ferris been out of the league. So, we'll see. He hasn't played in a game in almost a year in terms of the NBA. So, a giant question mark about his actual play on the floor, but uh, certainly nothing, no, nothing risky about it and a move that I am totally fine with and kind of like from a uh, speculation standpoint if I am the Hawks. All right. From there, obviously, not the greatest way to end the first half of the season. Again, they are 19 and 22 through 41 games, but there's 41 more to go. And the Hawks have been a good second half team the last couple of years. Second half begins with a back-to-back with travel on Friday and Saturday. So there, there was a, this is a one game homestand for Atlanta after the trip to California. From here, they go to Indiana for Friday's game and then to Toronto for Saturday's game. Um, Interesting slate there. Indiana's playing pretty well this year. They're in the playoff. They're in the playoff mix. Toronto, you would think would be better than Indiana, but they haven't been so far this year. But that's a really tough back-to-back with customs and all of that going from Indianapolis to Toronto. So that's a, certainly a challenge. A split there would be totally fine. We'll see uh, what Trey's status is if he's back and healthy by then. We'll see about Capella Friday and Saturday. But uh, planning to get to there. I'm not planning on doing another uh, huge podcast between those two things. I should plug now. I did a two-part deep dive NBA draft podcast with Brian Schroeder that dropped on Monday evening into Tuesday. Um, people were, were mad at me about Scoot Henderson. And I, just so I, just for the record, I was not saying the Hawks couldn't possibly draft Scoot Henderson. I think that just pointing out that the Hawks have a lot of capital allocated to a point guard with regard to Trey Young and John T. Murray. But we'll have much more draft stuff in the future, I promise. Uh, and especially if the Hawks are going the other direction in these standings. But obviously no one's really hoping for that at this point. Maybe some people are, but I'm not quite there if you're a Hawks fan. But no matter what, we'll have full ongoing coverage of the Hawks. I might take one of those games this weekend and combine it with uh, Monday's game. We'll see about that schedule-wise. I have to travel over the weekend. I won't be in my normal situation. So TBD on that. But the best thing possible to check out the show and all of my coverage is to subscribe the Lawton Hawks podcast across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, all those places. I also write about the Hawks on occasion at patreon.com slash BT Roland. You can follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Hawks. I do appreciate everyone listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday and Thursday, and we'll see you again after the game on Friday.